Hey everybody, John Fusco here again, kicking off what I think turned out to be, among other things, a really fascinating discussion on how directors can work with young actors to produce brilliant performances. This week on the No Film School podcast, we have director J.A. Bayona, screenwriter Patrick Ness, and 14-year-old Louis McDougall, the leading man of A Monster Calls. The movie, which hits New York and Los Angeles on December 23rd, is a standout from your typical feel-good holiday story. It follows a child as he slips further and further into a fantastical relationship with a tree monster in an attempt to cope with the impending death of his mother. For actor, screenwriter, and director, the film's heavy themes provided many a challenge. How emotionally intense should a screenwriter make a 12-year-old role? How does a director encourage a young actor to reach deep into their emotional depths? What does it take for the actor to get there? It took the efforts of all three to pull the final product off, and I really think you're going to enjoy listening to how they did it. First, I'll ask you guys to uh, introduce yourself so the listeners can get acquainted with your voices, um, starting with you, J.A. Hi, I'm J.A. Bayona, director for Monster Calls. Hi, I'm Louis McDougall, and I play Connor in Monster Calls. I'm Patrick Ness. I wrote the book and the screenplay Great. for Monster Calls, in fact. So, it's a good thing we're all here together. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I got you all in this room together because now we can talk a little bit about your collaboration. I mean, you guys are... As far as I'm concerned, and as far as many filmmakers are concerned, the three three of the most important aspects of filmmaking, we have the lead actor, the director, and the screenwriter who actually adapted the film from a novel that he wrote. So I suppose I'll start off by asking, how was that process of adapting your novel for the film? And I know, J.A., you had a part in this too, so we'll start with Patrick. It was a slightly backwards way to go around it. Um, which was, uh, I'd, written, I'd written the book and I'd written it based on the idea from Siobhan Dowd, who was another writer who died, so an unusual way to write a novel in the first place. But I was having meetings about the book um, potentially turning into a film, which are always, you know, they're always nice. They're always nice, you know, but I mean, I, I didn't get any sort of success until I was in my late 30s, and so I have a, I think, a pretty realistic view of, you know, what can happen. And so I always take it with a nice grain of salt. It's enjoyable. But um, I never take it all that seriously. But in these meetings, they were mostly really positive. People, you know, really responding well. One or two people suggested uh, some changes, mm. and of course, things need to be changed for a movie. But they were changes to soften it, and I felt that that was uh, a betrayal to the truth of the material, which sounds very noble, uh, possibly noble slash naive looking back. But uh, I uh, so I thought, well, I'll write the script myself. And uh, at least I can start the conversation and say, here is my argument for why I believe what I believe about the material. And that's a philosophy I have, which I always say when I talk to wannabe writers. I say, I don't think real writers write. Real writers write anyway. And you know, I come from a small town where nobody wrote books. I wrote one anyway. Uh, uh, there's no reason why anybody would want my script for this book. I wrote it anyway. So I think it's the it's the anyway bit, that the bloody-mindedness that uh, that sort of made it all come together. You have to be stubborn and you have to have the vision and you have to go through with it. Yep. After you wrote the book, did you immediately have designs to make it into a movie? What What was that sort of, where did that idea come from? Because it is a very visual film. Yeah, I suppose not immediately, but, um, you know, like I said, people were responding to it and I talked to, I talked to some people, talked to some directors and some producers and, and uh, um, it was more, well, this could possibly be, but again, I would, you know, 
I'd, I'd, I'd rather it not be made than made badly because I felt particularly this book because I was you know custodian of another writer's idea as well as my own I thought I want to be protective of it and uh, so it, it's it's more that it's more that just well, why not why not if we're going to make it why not at least try to do it the way I'd want to do it and you didn't have any screenwriting uh, experience before oh, no I noodled around yeah. a bit <laughs> but it's another thing about it's another thing about writing I think the only person who should tell a writer what to write is the writer themselves and that that is age group genre medium give it a try you know it's storytelling you have to learn things you can't be arrogant about it um, you know but like I said I'd done some noodling around with screenplays but I felt like by the time I got to this I had learned plenty and I was willing to learn more and uh, yeah and why not plunge in you only live once so J.A. when did you get involved in the in the uh, process of ad- adapting the story because I know you it, the script stood out to you well I read the book first and then I read the script I met Patrick the first time we met, I I really love the source material. I, I love the book and I, I, I wanted to be involved from the very first reading. I came with some ideas because I didn't want to soften the story, but I, I wanted to have like, um, to find some light at the end of the story. And some somehow uh, Patrick loved uh, what I bring over the table and, and we started to work together. Um, I considered the film, uh, very faithful to to the book and to the script that Patrick uh, did, but I tried to put also my, my my own in the story the same way Patrick put his own persona in in, in adapting somewhere someone else's idea, you know. Um, but but we came well, we, we came together very well, and 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 I think so, right? Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I mean, it's a, the great thing about working with Bona and uh, his producer Belen Atienza is the for them and, and I really love this um, and I've tried to keep it in f- f- uh, continuing work is uh, an, uh, an idea doesn't have an ego an idea is good or bad doesn't matter where it came from you know you, you take that idea you test it uh, if it doesn't work you set it aside you move on and that that's a very freeing way to work because it means you can be really creative and if it doesn't work who cares we've got more coming and uh, that was it was a compliment for one thing. It was very, very welcoming, but it also was so exciting to work with the material because you get everybody's best. Mm -hmm. So uh, then uh, this is something that I'm just personally interested in. Um, How does, because fairy tale and folklore has such an integral part in the film. How do you think that that medium or that art form, that, that a storytelling form is structurally sort of relevant for film nowadays fairy tale or folklore like how does it enhance film i think it's not just for film i think in general um fairy tales they are a very important uh part in 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 the world of kids i think somehow through fairy tales kids are able to process uh, complex ideas and emotions that they go through every day um, so, so I think in general, fantasy is a very important role in the education of every kid. I think somehow through fantasy they can understand reality in a in a, in a more accessible way. I think there's no, no there's no learning in reality. This is why we read books or why we do movies because we want to learn about ourselves. And and I think in that sense, fantasy um, gives us a, a knowledge that reality is not able to to give us or knowledge or just a sense of meaning to what 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 is life 
And for you, Patrick, I mean, since you wrote the source material and it is sort of, you, you had to craft these fairy tales, what struck you about fairy tale as a medium to sort of convey the, the child's struggle with grief? Siobhan had the idea that this monster would tell stories, but she didn't say what those stories would be. And she was so excited about the stories, but she didn't write them down. So, But I thought it was such a great idea. Uh, and, and also, how often do you get a chance to make, make up a fairy tale? Yeah. So, but part of it is um, fairy tales have a, you know, as Bino was saying, a very important function, particularly for young people. Um, but a story has an interesting limitation, you know, in that it ends. And I was always interested as a kid is what happened to the story after the ending. Always, 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 always. And that in a way is what A Monster Calls is about. It's a, thematically it is about what do you, what, how do you keep on living after the worst thing happens? And so to as ways to get there is to take a fairy tale. And another reason a fairy tale is such a potent storytelling device is we all think we know it. We think we know what's going to happen. We know the rules of a, of a fairy tale. And so to then, to write that, and then to take, to keep going, to say after the end, then these other things happen, changing the way you look at the fairy tale. That is a great way to subvert it. And to say that if the witch tells the, her own version of Hansel and Gretel, it's a very different story. And that's, that's really interesting. And it allows the you know Connor or protagonist to look at his own story and say maybe there's another way to tell it maybe a way that I can live with that isn't quite so destructive as the story I'm telling now so it, there's lots of lots of functions there and it's lots about what the medium of a story within a story does absolutely so let's get to Connor let's get to Lewis what was the uh, casting process like for uh, UJA did you have a hand in that Patrick and Lewis yeah. <laughs> uh, well as it started when I was asked to audition um, to go to London to do, to do an audition and well then I, I got asked to do a second audition where I got to meet where I got to meet JA and that was you know I think in that one we, we did at the end of the audition we we did one of the more emotional scenes that, that was probably my first taster of what you know really what, what it was going to be like to shoot the film and then I got asked to do a screen test in, uh, in Barcelona which was which was which was good fun but also a bit you know intimidating as well because I mean, I'd never like, apart from Pan, I'd never like done something like that, like of that mag, like that before. Because we were doing a very, we we're doing one of the scenes of the monster, so it was a lot of you know, shouting. And it was my first time really getting to that that place, um, and it was also a bit intimidating because the other boys who were going for the same role were there. Uh, but yeah, it all, it all turned out. Were okay. they in the same room with you there? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot. I mean, yeah. I got on quite well with, with with them, sure. So it was fine. But you know, then again, there's also. But you're all you're all going for the same same thing. So then acting, I mean, in the film, you just said you know you had that prior experience in Pan, but that was about it. How do you push yourself to that to sort of lead role um, with such emotional weight to it? What was um, that like for you? I mean, that was that was that was definitely the hardest part about doing the, doing the film was the fact that you know a lot Connor for the film you. You know, encounters a lot of, like a variety of different emotions. You know, like lots, lots of different emotions, and getting and getting in touch with that was definitely the hardest part. I guess I, I look at you know experiences that I've had in my own life to try and help me, you know, understand what he's going through. But I also think that, you know, especially in the scenes with the monster, when when you're given the freedom to just shout and 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 scream and just you know just you know let loose and do whatever you want, like a lot of the other emotions come. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, totally. Um, so it's in terms of um, you know talking about making a for the filmmakers listening. The one of these screenplay challenges was um, how to pitch the character of Connor because 
we're essentially asking a 12-year-old actor to carry the entire film, and it's an extremely emotional film, and he's got to go on a very long journey to, you know, through some really tough stuff to get to this point of, of release. And there was a, that was a lot of, there was lengthy consideration for me. How much do I ask for? How much as a writer do I ask this theoretical actor to do? And how, how is that going to be possible? And it was a good experience because in the end I thought, I might as well ask for the moon because it is easier, if, if we need to, it's easier to pull back a little. Um, but you never know, you might get a kid who can do all of this incredible stuff. And we were very, very, very lucky that Lewis could. But, you know, if we hadn't asked, we might not have gotten. And so that's, I suppose that's advice I'd get. Always ask for the moon. You might not hit the moon, but you might get something really interesting on the way. So then during the audition process, how did you ask for the moon? J.A., do you want to answer that? How did you, how did you know what, when you saw Lewis or what were you looking to identify in a young actor to try and bring him into this world and onto this role. It was the fact that Louis was so different from the other kids because the, we we had a good bunch of kids at the end. In the last uh, audition, we had four or five kids and they were all very good. But Louis was different from the other ones. Uh, the other ones were playing the scene, um, going more to the more predictable emotional stuff that you will expect, you know? But Louis was more about rage, more reluctant to cry. Uh, and I think that the tears that he showed in that test were sh tears that he didn't want to show. That was so unique, so so special that I knew that uh, that he was going to be someone that will bring something unique to the character, not just a, a good performance, because we have very good actors at the end, but something un unique that the other kids were not able to bring on the table. So for aspiring filmmakers, you know, it's it's very hard um, for low budget or independent filmmakers to find young actors with such talent. Um, could you give some advice as to how to do that? <laughs> I guess if you don't have uh, a lot of but resources I don't, behind you. Why, I don't understand why it's more difficult if you have low budget than... Uh, yeah, that's very true. I mean, I think in general, it's probably very hard to find I th young I actors. think it's a question of, with kids, it's a question of energy. If they're very young, it's a question of patience. I mean, it's not the case of Luis, because he was 12 when we were shooting, but if you're shooting with a, with a seven-year-old boy, you need to have a lot of patience, you know? But with kids, it's a question of, of uh, energy. And general, acting is a question of energy. You just try to put as much energy uh, in 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 working with the actors and they love that they love a director who loves to work with them and create a character I've met so many actors in my life that they 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 don't they tell you that they don't work with the director they are not directed you know um, so lot actors they love to be directed you know and 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 it's a question of putting energy and and, and try to feed them to nurture them to create the environment it's not a question of telling much about the character. Or telling them what they need to think about. I mean, that that's part of their business. You know, right, they right. you you don't get into the private life of the actors, but you try to create the environment and 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 spend the time that they deserve. Well, you were blessed with such a talented young actor. Um, were there any extreme challenges? Would you say or challenges that you two faced in filmmaking together? Well, we definitely we had to create chemistry between Louis and a character that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. I mean. We, we didn't have the monster, of course, in the, in the set. We, we have a life-size replica, so, so uh, Luis was able to perform in front of something. 
Um, and Louis also did um, all the motion capture with Liam Neeson, so for him it was a great rehearsal. But then you need to create chemistry, and chemistry is such a difficult thing to get. I think that, um, for example, in, in the case of the mother and, 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 and Connor, we spend a lot of time together with, uh, with uh, Louis and, and Felicity. They spend a lot of time together, but in creating the monster, they couldn't spend a lot of time together. So you need to find a way of creating that chemistry that you can see on the screen with a character that doesn't exist. And Louis, for you, how was that uh, working with a CGI character, I guess, as opposed to <laughs> a real? Because that would be the mm-hmm. most challenging part. Yeah. I mean, obviously, when you're with a real person in front of you, you can, you know, you can bounce things off each other and react to each other. Um, so a lot of the time, it'd either be a re- sometimes in a, a recording of Liam, but most of the time, it was um, the acting coach or, or sometimes even even Jay reading the monster's lines. Uh, but I suppose you know the fact that I mean the replica they made was it was truly phenomenal. It was it it was phenomenal. I mean they made the hands as well and 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 even the feet of the monster. So having that there was was you know extremely helpful. It really did allow me to imagine and, and sort of visualize what this monster was going to be like. I'll just end by asking each of you um, because this is something that we like to do on every podcast. Um, any advice you have for well for JA? We're going to do filmmakers. For Lewis, we're going to do young actors, and for Patrick, we're going to do screenwriters emerging all emerging in their field so we'll start with you patrick uh i said a little bit of it before but like i said i think real writers don't write they write anyway and to have a i also think anyone can start a script but only real writers finish one and i think that's also really important and the uh, in the book world i you know i found my agent because i wrote an entire book and i made it the best goddamn book i possibly could and then she took me on as a client and she got it published and it was as impossible and easy as that if you see what i mean and the same with the script i wrote the script of monster calls on spec i made it as good as i possibly could and then i had a sample in a a way which i didn't actually even expect because uh it then went on the blacklist which i hadn't even heard of and i got a bunch of other work offers which was unexpected but nice but it was because i had a bit of a piece of work that i was really proud of and maybe that maybe that work piece of work never gets made but it shows people what your voice is and what you can do. So that I suppose that's what I would say. Get a really good piece of work, and that's gonna that's gonna send you places. And I guess bring it with you wherever you go. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, I'm, well, but I mean, like I I suggested this to a friend of mine, and because he wanted to work in television, and he said, okay, I'll, I will. I'll, I, there's a pilot idea I want to write. So he wrote a pilot idea purely to say to producers, could I get some feedback on this? And someone actually bought the pilot. So, I mean, it, it can happen. This isn't anybody wildly famous. It's just somebody who wrote a good pilot and somebody liked it. So genuinely, genuinely write a, write a good sample. And that's very true about uh, real writers being the ones who finish it um, yes, versus the ones who start it. So uh, how about you, Lewis? Uh, for any young actors yeah. trying to break out onto the scene, what would you say is important for them to uh, keep in mind, I'd say? I think well, something that's you know probably really important for for a young actor is really to, I mean, virtually like I, I've, I've been going to like a, like a, like a drama group since I was like, um, since like nine or 10. And that really wasn't, I never thought, oh, I'm going to be an actor. In fact, you know, I never actually had that thought at all. It was really just a fun thing. And I think that's quite important. You have to, you have to enjoy it. And it has to be a, uh, it has to be a fun thing before it becomes a serious one. If you know what I mean? And if, you know, you, you do ever get, if you do get the opportunity to, to do a film and stuff like that i think working with with adults is really you know people who have experience is really you know really beneficial um not not then not not 
not that anything's wrong with working with other kids, but you know, getting the opportunity to work with adults is really, is really, or even just talk to adults who are actors is really helpful because you know they've they have experience. Yeah. So I guess listen is searching, yeah. listening is just such an important part of acting. In exactly. General. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Totally. And J.A., how about you? For any emerging filmmakers that are trying to make a film, I say, as imaginatively as you've done here. I think, according to my experience, that uh, doing a film is such a hard thing to do, uh, so difficult, uh, that it doesn't matter what anyone will tell you, you really you really need to want to do it. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a question of, how, I mean, don't do it if you have doubts. Don't do it because uh, if you do, if you have doubts, maybe you're not the one. I think you really need to be convinced about the fact that this is what you want to do. This is your life. I, for me, it's difficult to separate my life from my job. I think it's, everything is the same. So in that sense, I remember that when I I think when I I remember I went to a film school and then I was teaching and I was telling the students, listen, it's all about what you learn. Here, every here, everyone's uh, here. Everybody's saying wh- uh, whatever they want to say about about the work, but you just need to follow your instinct and and do it. I guess I'd follow up with that with because you just said you went to film school. Oh, yeah, I said that, and this is no film school. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what? I, I didn't would, go to film school. It's fine. Great. It'll be fine. So. <laughs> um, I would say in in learning, what are some things that people who didn't go to film school, how can they accelerate their learning outside of film school to sort of put themselves in a place to succeed? I think I think I think uh shooting is a film school you don't need to go to a film school to to learn about shooting you know i think um for me what was good about being in a film school is that we shot a lot of stuff we were shooting all day long i mean it's like non-stop uh so much that there was a moment that we were complaining because we didn't have time to anything else you know so so that 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 was very good. I mean, it, it's good to be at class, and it's good to spend a lot of time in the bar with your friends to- talking about movies, and it's good to spend a lot of time shooting. I mean, but but you can do that also out of the film school. It's a question of um, just try to find a camera and and try to find a good story and and engage the people in helping you in in putting that on the screen. Yeah, that's so important. Finding the right collaborators, and you guys seem to have found each other and. The movie was awesome. A monster calls. When does it come out? Comes out uh, next week, December twenty third, December twenty third uh, in New York and L A, and oh. then wide on the sixth of January. Perfect. So people will probably be listening to this uh, on Christmas time. Excellent. So perfect movie for Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having us. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Thanks. Thanks again, everyone, for listening today, and thanks to Patrick, J A, and Lewis for sitting down with me. The movie is a monster calls, and you can see it starting December twenty third. I was John Fusco, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jim underscore John underscore Jim. Be sure to listen to our last Indie Film Weekly episode of this horrible 2016 on Thursday. And if you haven't already, rate and subscribe to the No Film School podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever your favorite podcast platform happens to be. Good night.